We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about another Nets win. Not a game today, but a signing. Blake Griffin, barred out by the Detroit Pistons, cleared waivers, and is now a Brooklyn Net. How are we feeling, Jack? With the Broad City superstar in BK, BG32. There we go, Jack. My wife will be happy about the shout-out for her show, but we're going to talk Blake Griffin. We're going to talk about the mailbag. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Now, Jack, this is something that's been mentioned before. We heard about the Blake Griffin rumors. You know, they obviously held him out until they could find a solution to that situation. And we talked about the possibility of him joining the Nets, but it seemed like it was a done deal. Like, soon as the buyout happened, this was the team he wanted to be on. Obviously, it helps when you have the amount of star talent. But there's also a lot of relationships there, too. Yeah, I think the fact that it's on the vet minimum, Nick, is the most surprising yeah. thing because initially my biggest was my biggest surprise in the whole thing was he gave us thirteen point three, or he gave back thirteen point three million dollars in his total contract buyout. You know, he's still got sixty three million dollars, so it's it's not chump change in, in any sense of the imagination. But in in previous buy buyouts, it's normally you know five million here, it's two million there, it's six million here. But this is you know eight figures. This is a lot of money to give back. So. It shows that Blake Griffin has a, a real desire to be in Brooklyn, to be with James Harden, to be with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, former teammate as well. So I, I think that all power to him. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I've got a couple of Blake Griffin Lob City jerseys uh, from the oh, Clippers. Yeah. Days, so I might have to wear a couple of those on some live shows and such. But I, I think this is awesome news, Nick. And now we obviously will dive deep into you know what Blake Griffin can provide as a player. But, man, it's just fun. Who would have thought the Nets would be here? Sean Marks, executive of the year right there. 
Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, Jack. Obviously, James Harden trade pretty much put him in the favorites for that. Now adding another player like this and just also seeing all the big names in Brooklyn is cool. Like this is a franchise that hasn't been very good in the past, has had a lot of suffering. And now we're talking about, you know, bring another former all-star in town while you have three top 15 guys. It's really incredible just to kind of see the turnaround and what Sean Marks has done in creating the Nets into a destination. You know, this is a spot that players want to go to because you know, other teams were interested, but he was like, nah, I don't even want to talk to you really. I'm going to Brooklyn. I like what they have. And I think he has some good relationships, not only with DeAndre, who he's played with, and you mentioned Bruce Brown, but it seems like there's some, you know, relationship between him and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, you know, that star power, that star pop, it should be fun. And what do you think he can actually bring to the Nets? Obviously, it hasn't been a great season for him in Detroit. We did see Woj say, and yeah, it hasn't been the, the best of seasons. There's no point in really diving deep into the stats because, look, I still think there's something that can be provided. Can he be a Nicholas Batum type for the Brooklyn Nets? That is the ideal scenario where he can give you something and revitalize his career in a new situation. You know, was he just sort of, you know, resting a little bit and sort of, you know, covering himself because he knew this buyer was happening. He knew where he was going. I certainly hope so because at the end of the day, as a vet minimum, a guy that has this talent, a guy that could pass as well as he does, has been shooting the three ball a little bit better. I think he's going to look really good in the pick and roll, especially on the short roll uh, with James Harden. I, I, we did see Woj also say that the Nets expect to use him as a small ball five. Hopefully that's not taking away our boy Clack City's minutes. But at the same time, you get talent, Nick, and it also, like I've said before in, in previous iterations of the buzz, when you get these names, it also takes them away from the other teams. Yeah. So if they were to pop off, if Clifford were to pop off in Miami or at the Lakers, you know, that's a that's a disservice and, and a concern for the Brooklyn Nets because they've got, damn, the Nets, and we said it because, like, you know, we've been Batum fans here. We've been talking about it. It's just like, man, I wish we had Batum. It would have been perfect. Oh, that guy on the wing, he could shoot the three ball, guard some guys. But now we've got Blake Griffin, and look, I think if he can be a version of Nicholas Batum, uh, what he has been in, in Clipperland, then the Nets are going to be licking their chops because the depth only continues to increase. Now, you, uh, the best case scenario, Nick, is that he provides you an offensive weapon at the small ball five. He doesn't have the defense that Jeff Green does. He doesn't have Je the defense that Bruce Brown does. He doesn't have the defense that DeAndre Jordan does, for that matter, Old Nicholas Claxton uh, at all. But... There could be something. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Sean Marks and Steve Nash can do with him. And obviously the intelligence and savviness of our players, especially James Harden. Uh, they're going to make him look good. And he could. And James Harden has made every single player in this rotation look goddamn amazing. I think Blake Griffin could be next. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's a low risk, you know, signing, you know, there's a, a chance at a high reward, possibly if he's able to give you a nice bench piece, but it's not like we're expecting him to be an all star an all NBA player, you know, play, you know, 10 to 15 minutes off the bench, be that small ball five, maybe have a couple big games. It also just gives you an option like when guys are sitting out, okay, this is somebody who could possibly step up and help shoulder more of a load in a different situation. We don't really know what he looks like, you know, health wise, like, obviously, in Detroit, he hasn't played well this season, he's been playing 30 minutes a game in 20 this season, which is you know, a decent amount of time. But again, like his teammates aren't great. There's probably not a ton of motivation given what they're looking to do this season. This is the best opportunity he's had in a very long time to compete for a championship. So like you said, Harden's making DJ look like he reversed a clock a year or two. So what could he do for Blake Griffin, who is really a talented basketball player? I think a lot of it gets overshadowed by a lot of the dunks we've seen in the past. But this is a guy you and I have probably talked about a lot in the outlet is 
really reestablished his game as he lost some of the athleticism. And you mentioned the short roll with his passing, also just his ability to handle the basketball and have that in between. Like he's comfortable not just dunking, like he can hit a layup or two. So it'll be fun to see who he is at this point in his career and what the Nets can do for him. Yeah, I think that is the the biggest question mark, Nick. What is his health at this point in yep. time? You know, in Detroit, ever since those uh, postseason matchups where it was hard to watch because he gave yep. his all to that city. And I, I know that Detroit Pistons fans love him. And I remember putting out a video the other day, you know, when the rumors were sort of starting to heat up. And, you know, his body was breaking down. His knees were breaking down. But in that season, in that regular season, he was an MVP contender. Yep. He's a five-time All-NBA player, six-time All-Star. This guy is a goddamn superstar. He's beyond the Kia dunks and such. And <laughs> while Lob City 3.0, whatever version it is that James Harden's bringing with DJ Claxon and, and now Blake Griffin, you know, Blake Griffin has a duck since December 2019. But I'm just, I, I'm intrigued to see what he can bring, Nick, because look, we, we thought that DeAndre Jordan couldn't get a board anymore. We, he couldn't finish oops. He couldn't play any semblance of defense. Funnily enough, I'm worried. There's a double cross with Blake Griffin on True TV ad on ESPN <laughs> right now, funnily enough. How about that for poetic? But I, I'm just intrigued, Nick, because like you mentioned, he has diversified his game. He showed a level of understanding self-awareness maturity that it's just like you know what i'm not gonna be this guy that can be you know be the fulcrum of a team anymore my i'm at the stage of my career when i want to win i want to give something to a team in that that wants success that have a real good chance of success and you know we've seen bookies are plenty after this signing for some reason they're putting the book and that's <laughs> as a contender as the number one championship contender i don't necessarily think blake griffin changes anything immensely but if he proves me wrong and we get a version of Blake Griffin where it's just like, you know what? Hit some threes here. His three ball hasn't been good this season either. But if he's hitting 35% of those, if he's making some good passes, if he's just creating space in a way that Bruce Brown has, uh, then I think that there's it's a value add, Nick. You know, vet minimum signings. You know, vet minimums in the league don't give you anything. The Nets have Jeff Green on a vet minimum who's giving them, obviously, the vet minimum signing in the league. Blake Griffin, if he gives us anything more than, than nothing then it's a win because he's sacrificed $11 million to be in Brooklyn right now. Yeah. So he's going to do anything and everything in his power to contribute to this team. He understands that he's not going to be the guy anymore. He's going to be a supporting cast member in creating success and creating championship habits for this Brooklyn Nets team. And like you said, Jack, there's really not much risk to it because it doesn't change the floor of this team. You know, it already is what it is. All it does is raise the ceiling because if he plays well, it just gives you another element, another tool for Steve Nash. And it also gives the Nets another big. Like he's 6'9", he's tough, he has muscle. He's not going to lock down Joel Embiid or anything, but at least he's another body you can throw out there. And I think I saw this brought up by Billy Reinhardt on uh, Twitter, is like he also has some toughness. Like this is a guy who literally is always talking trash with somebody. Who is he almost? He fought with like a rookie this year. And then like in previous seasons, we've seen him go, go at a lot of different guys. And there's been some talk about maybe the Nets need some of that extra pop to this team. Blake can be that guy. You know, maybe it's part of his new role, adapting his game. Yeah, I'm hoping when fans are back and we're at opposing arenas, he does his little move where he sort of is having a drink on the bench and he sort of is like, oh, what? And he throws <laughs> it behind him and he wets the fan. For those that haven't seen it, check it out on YouTube. That's a real fun. Blake Griffin is just, Blake Griffin is just comedy. And at the very least, you know, these vet minimum guys, we talk about Amon Shumpert, Andre Robeson. Blake Griffin's going to give something to this locker room. He's better He's than like those two players. 
oh, there's no doubt about he's better than those players. You know, he can he can get a bucket still. He can still he is in a he might be one of the best passers in this Brooklyn Nets team outside of James Harden. I think he's an incredible passer, and you know when his time in Detroit and you know latter points of Los Angeles, he just continued to just develop his game and, and the, the savviness and experience and the uh, understanding as a passer and as a secondary playmaker next to James Harden. You know, I'm just in, I really want to see him all of his minutes tied up with with James Harden, who's playing like a goddamn MVP right now. He doesn't want to be in uh, in the, the All Star game right now, Nick. I'm liking his attitude. Compared to his previous attitude in Houston, he's just going, staying in the hotel room, doing his uh, doing his uh, Zoom interviews with, with the press and such. But no I lemon think pepper that, wings. That, no, <laughs> look, you can get him delivered from Magic City. Apparently, you know, Giannis was getting him delivered in wherever the heck he was. But in, in saying that, I just I, I think Blake Griffin can give us something here, and you know, at the very least, low risk, high reward, as you alluded to. Yeah, and I think another interesting aspect is like on the switches, and I'm not saying this is an offense you'd go to all the time, but say, you know, he gets a, he can attack a small defender. Like if Ish Smith, for example, or just like a really tiny guard got Blake in the post, like he's pretty good at just backing somebody down and getting that layup. You know, that wasn't a part of his game he had before, and I'm not saying that's something you'd go to a lot, but it's just another aspect the Nets can exploit of other teams. Like offensively, it's going to be a lot to handle, and like you said, we're not expecting him to be great, but the passing could be something that could open up a lot of different things considering the amount of offensive talent on this team. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on the Blake Griffin front? I'll just talk about, the, I guess, the, the rotation and lineup combinations, Nick. Despite the fact that we saw that tweet from Rose saying that the Nets hope he can be their sort of backup small ball five, that doesn't mean that he can't play alongside Claxton or Green or both of them. You know, I think that he will guard fives, but he'll offensively be the four. You know, Claxton and Green can guard those fours and let Blake Griffin guard, you know, your, your Ivica Zubac or whoever the heck else yep. it might be. I still think there's a little bit of flexibility there. You know, I just don't want him to be uh, playing alongside DeAndre Jordan. Yep. It, it, it'll be fun for maybe some some closeout minutes and some blowouts. It, it'd be a bit of fun to get some, some Lob City 4.0, 8.0, whatever version and iteration we are up to. But just because Blake Griffin is going to be quote-unquote the small ball five, doesn't mean that I think it should take away from minutes from Jeff Green or Claxton. And Jeff Green is still dealing with his shoulder injury as well. So um, hopefully he is back and fit and firing just to add to this rotation. But I don't. I think there is more flexibility there than we probably do think. Yeah, and I think it gives the Nets an opportunity to play big. You know what I mean? Not just for like a little stint, but they could play big with their starters and then play big with the bench. Because like you said, Claxton, I've really liked his versatility defensively, offensively. He's probably more of a center now. But like you said, Blake can do a little bit more at the the four spot on offense. And three-point shot, like you mentioned earlier, has not been great over the last two seasons. But prior to that, 36%, 34%, 34%, not terrible. You know, that's solid numbers around league average. So if he can hit those, you know, just another way to open up the offense. It's going to be interesting with the big rotation, especially because we've seen Steve Nash go small on certain nights when the bigs are healthy too. So it feels like there are going to be opportunities where, hey, maybe Blake's going to play more minutes tonight or maybe he's not going to play at all or maybe it's going to be Nick Claxton or maybe it's going to be resting some of the bigs because, you know, between age and injury, some of these guys could use a day off. Yeah, definitely. You know, when was the last time the Nets had a, a healthy rotation? It feels like 
that Golden State game might have been the only game this yep. season where everyone was fully healthy. And, and even saying that, we haven't had Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously, for the the full points of the season. But Nick, I guess this is essentially what the rotation is as is right now. Obviously, like you alluded to, there are only going to be increases and adds to this team with the taxpayer MLE and the disabled player uh, exception as well to add. And obviously, trades with Spencer Dinwiddie that we've talked about uh, here and there are two on the buzz. You had Harden, Shaman, and Johnson, Kyrie and Harris, KD and Bruce, uh, Jeff Green and, and Blake Griffin and DJ and Claxton. The, it's only going to get better, whether it's another big, whether you get JaVale, whether you get PJ Tucker, whether you get Andre Drummond, or whether there's a Trevor Reza to add out there, or, or some other wing, or an Otto Porter, or a, or a Thaddeus Young in a trade. Who knows? But the Nets' depth is only going to get better, Nick. And a, a weakness, we said at the start of the season it was a strength, then it turned into the weakness in the James Harden trade, and then we saw Claxton playing so well, Bruce Brown playing so well. You know, Joe Harris might have to come off the bench now, which is totally fine with the, what he has shown there. Uh, I think Bruce needs to continue. It's something we can discuss in some of the questions uh, going forward. But I like how this rotation is filling out. And the Nets still have probably greater tools to add to their roster than many other contending teams. What can the Lakers do? They don't have anything other than vet minimums. What do they have as trade pieces? They have Tyler, uh, Tyler Hunt and Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker, but they're not going to trade him because he's a, a young sort of piece and you'd rather keep them. So the Nets have more tools as a contender than a lot of other contending teams do have. And that puts them in a, a really interesting spot uh, as they continue to fill out their roster in the latter points of the season. Yeah, like you said, Jack, specifically with the buyout market, having the disabled player exception that is still, I think, 5.7 taxpayer mid-level exception is decreasing day by day, like we talked about a few shows ago, 39000 per day. I think it's at like 5.2 mil right now. But again, disabled player exception could be used in a trade or you're trading for somebody with an expiring contract. Obviously, Nets don't have great assets, a lot of second-round picks. You could possibly move you know, Landry Shamit or you know, a Tyler Johnson or something like that or TLC. Probably not going to move Nick Claxton. But in saying that, Jack, is there an, a position now that you maybe want to target a little bit more since they added a Blake Griffin or it doesn't really change much for you? Oh, it's the wing, Nick. It, yeah. It's still the wing. You know, As much as I do think that the Nets still could add a, an Andre Drummond or a JaVale McGee, I think adding a wing, a Trevor Ariza, a PJ yeah. Tucker, a Thaddeus Young, any of these sort of players, a Josh Richardson in a trade, he's not necessarily a wing, but he can guard up a, a position or two. That is the position of need. It's the position of everyone wants to have that type on defense when you're going up against Le LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. And while the Nets have fared pretty well against those teams, even without Kevin Durant, you just need depth at every position. And while there's a bit more depth at the big position right now, you can still add some, some guys there. The guard rotation looks pretty goddamn solid too. So you want to add wings because it's the most important position uh, defensively, offensively, uh, in terms of just being able to space the floor as well. And I think just for to just add some quality there, I think would really benefit the Nets in a big way. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see if they can make a move maybe for Mo Harkless in Miami. Hasn't necessarily played a ton, dealt with some injuries, could possibly attainable contract number. But, you know, Pat Riley, I think, probably has some bad blood towards Sean Marks after that Tyler Johnson contract. Not sure, not sure if he's holding grudges, but Pat seems like the guy that would. It's going to be intriguing to see what they do. But like you said, Jack, I think a wing is what they need, especially someone maybe a little bit more defensive-oriented, but not such a negative offensively like a Roberson or a Monchumpert. Yeah, big time. Also, um, reading John's article at OGDBasketball.com talking about the offensive sets that the Nets have been running, the elbow, I think, is going to be something yep. that is going to really, really benefit Blake Griffin because if you have Clax, DJ, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, out of those four guys, the guy who's running the elbow action, 
Blake Griffin is by far yeah. the best initiator there. So shout out to John for that awesome little piece. Check it out, OGGBasketball.com. And having Blake Griffin there only gives you offensive firepower and in, and in the increase in that. There's been some really good Nets content out at Nets Republic, OGGBasketball.com. Really, really good piece um, from Jared Dubin uh, on James Harden, which yep. was a, a fantastic piece as well. So guys, check all that out. Um, and, and we can obviously, we'll intersperse some of those key points uh, throughout the buzz too. Yeah, I mean, the elbow stuff, Jack, that's an excellent point because Blake operates in that area, and like you said, he's more talented than the other three players. You know, in the passing-wise, he's just a a step above those guys, and he's also just had more experience. Like, he's had to run the offense in Detroit, did a little bit in L.A. too, and like I said, very comfortable with the ball in his hands, on the floor, whatever it is. I'm excited to see what they can do with some of those lineups, especially if a guy like Joe Harris is coming off the bench. Now you have so much movement over there. The way Bruce Brown's been cutting, I thought Kyrie's been cutting really well this season too. Like there's a lot of different things. And then you have Landry Shamet who, you know, pick up his game a little bit. Like there's just a ton of options offensively. It's crazy just because we're talking about the net starters being so elite, but now their bench unit is going to start to be dominant offensively too. It feels like if Blake yeah. can be that guy and can stay healthy. Oh, absolutely. And look, it's it's uh, it's a flyer, but it's a worthwhile flyer. And I know that there's a there's an irrationality on both sides yep. on social media right now in the reaction to the signing. The Nets, the favorites now, they need all this guy just to be the 36-year-old LeBron James, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, it's always somewhere in the middle when it comes to, to, to the yep. reaction, Nick. He can give us something. He could pop off. And ultimately, if he gives us a 10 or 15 games in the, in the last sort of 35 games or so, uh, of quality uh, rotation minutes, that's going to be worth it. He might get you a couple of passes, a couple of threes, um, maybe some toughness, some some boards in in some key rotation matchups uh, in the playoffs as well. Who knows? You know, you you want to have extra depth at the big position as well. If you're going up against Joel Embiid, you're going up against Giannis, you're going up against Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, all these really solid teams that have quality bigs. And not to say, like you alluded to, Nick, that uh, Blake Griffin is going to solve those issues, but it adds bodies and it adds bodies. And I think a lot of the time, when you have the differentiation, the flexibility out there to just throw different looks, it gives you it gives you options. Yeah. And that's the best thing for a coach, especially with a coach. You know, Steve Nash, not super experienced, but we know guys like Mike D'Antoni on there, May Udoka, Jock Vaughn, even to an extent, we saw him experience. So there's going to be a lot of different things. And if Blake can be somewhere in between, like you mentioned, Jack, it's just another area that the Nets can exploit of other teams. Like everyone's so worried about talking about the Nets weaknesses, but really they're creating more, more uh, weaknesses for every team in the league than anyone really has since that Golden State team. Yeah, I think this season more than any other, Nick, offense matters. Uh, And and I I truly do believe that. And, you know, you're looking at the best teams right now. And while the Sixers have struggled a little bit offensively, when they have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the floor together in the half court, they look pretty incredible. Uh, I've seen some stats uh, uh, alluding to that as well. So, look, uh, I think this is a season. We've got four of the seven best offensive seasons of all time happening. Uh, And, obviously, the Brooklyn Nets uh, are right at the top of that list too. Kyrie Irving checking in. Shout out to Kai. wasn't doing his media sessions. I think some people at the New York Post weren't happy with that, but <laughs> shout, out, shout out to uh, King Kai. We absolutely love uh, Mr. Irving. But yeah, next we start. Do you want to touch on anything else with the Blake Griffin sign? Well, I'm sure. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the black and white. You know, I've got a black Clippers jersey. I might have to wear it to the next recording. Put some tape over the, the LA, just put a Brooklyn over there. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, do some you know shitty Photoshop job, but <laughs> in real life on a, on a jersey. So might have to do my own jersey finagling. Yeah, no, Jack, like you said, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit more. It's hard to really dive deep into it because we just don't know what to expect. Because, like, 
there's a good chance he's going to play better than Detroit. It's just how much better and how much healthier is he going to look? You know, is that beyond meat diet going to help him out? Is he going to look lighter out there, Jack? I don't know. There's so many different options and aspects. And even like how many minutes does he get? Is he in the rotation right away? What happens with the whole COVID thing? So we don't even know we're really going to see Blake Griffin. Hopefully it's soon. Hopefully he gets some minutes and, and hopefully it's not taking anything away from Mr. Claxton. Yeah, and hopefully the comedy stores are open. I want to hit up the comedy store. I want to hit up the comedy cellar out in uh, the old West Village. Uh, some of my favorite locations in the world, let alone in New York City. And we know Blake Griffin. He brings the jokes. You know, he's a he's a funny dude. And uh, no doubt about that, he's going to be giving us things on and off the court. Shout out to BG32. The era has arrived. Yeah, there we go, Jack. Interesting what number he'll take. But, Jack, let's kick off the mailbag. Appreciate everybody sending us these questions. Something we're going to try to hopefully do more in the second half. It's just been super, super crazy because of there being a game almost every sing- every other day. So many questions, Nick. So many goddamn questions. This is going to be like one of them Bill Simmons to our podcast episodes. So hopefully it, there's enough content uh, for you guys out there that'll get you through to uh, the next Brooklyn Nets game. Fingers and toes crossed. Life is too short to sleep between anything less than really nice sheets. But maybe you looked at some of the retailers and calculated the years of interest you'd pay on just one set and gave up. Trust me, go check out brooklinen.com. So Brooklinen was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't find them, they founded Brooklinen as the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and taste. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, and even loungewear, and more. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code BACKBOARD to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, free shipping. That's Brooklinen dot com and enter promo code backboard to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more brooklinen.com and use promo code backboard at checkout um, I'm happy to jump in mate let's get into we've got C's daddy do you think it would be a bad move I guess we're on the Blake Griffin points so we might as well stick with it do you think it would be a bad move to not address our defensive weakness at the 4-5 and instead side Blake Griffin isn't he a defensive liability or are we just hoping the offense will just take over Nick, do you think, I guess, that it was a bad move to not instead prioritize the defensive liabilities that the Brooklyn Nets do have, as C's daddy is alluding to? Or do you think that adding to the offense that is already an immense strength only makes it better, bigger and better? Yeah, I think this was a situation where the Nets just looked, hey, we're going to get the talent. Like, Blake Griffin is still a talented player. He wants to be here. He could hopefully help this team in some different ways. And I think it doesn't rule out the possibility of getting somebody else, but the Nets just feel like maybe that's not as big a weakness as people are making out to be, or they just want to go, like you said, go full-on offense. But again, I don't think they're done with their moves, so we could see one or more, you know, one, one or two more moves here. Yeah, definitely. Reggie Perry's coming back too. Looking yeah. forward to see what, what he's learned in the G League right, with the Long Island Nets. He's been doing some some nice things down there. So the Nets might have the, the most strong and deepest five position in the league with Blake Griffin and Reggie Perry coming in. <laughs> yeah, then Andre Drummond and JaVale McGee. Who knows what happens? But yeah, he is a defensive liability. There, there yep. is no doubt about that. Um, the offense obviously is only going to increase. And as I alluded to, it is an immense strength. And I think that offense this season with the lack of crowds and just with the stylistic priority of a, of a lot of teams now, it seems to me that that is where the, the league is and that is where the direction is heading and the Brooklyn Nets are, are heading that with uh, so many 
uh, different options and offensive firepowers and sets and talent there. So I think that as a vet minimum sign, it is not a bad move. Simple as that. He takes up a minimum amount of cap room. He is better than an Amman Shumpert. He's better than an Andre Robeson. If at the very least, he is your 12th to 15th best player on the roster, and you have Blake Griffin taking up that spot, that's not too bad at all. Like you said, Jack, he's about to turn 32 years old. This is a six-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA. The talent is there. And even if it's not, like the experience in terms of maybe helping a guy like Nick Claxton, helping a guy like Reggie Perry, that's another aspect that can help this team move forward. And you'd hit on it before. He wants to be here. He wants to win a championship. That's it, Nick. At the end of the day, he wants to be here. He wants that chip. The the Clippers obviously were one of the better teams in a similar sort of situation to what the Houston Rockets were. Yeah. They were around. If it weren't for the dynastic Golden State Warriors, the Clippers probably have a chip. The Houston Rockets probably have a chip. Those teams are going to be underrated in the in the history books because they were awesome. They were truly yeah. awesome. And it's sort of like the seven seconds or less. And again, Mike D'Antoni, another little connection to the Brooklyn Nets. They're like the seven seconds or less in terms of uh, Phoenix Suns, in terms of how important they were just in the era of basketball. Um, I, I love Blake Griffin, one of my favorite players uh, who, is, who hasn't been a Brooklyn net. And, and I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what he can bring. I don't have high expectations, but at the end of the day, my expectations don't necessarily matter. I have a feeling, though, I have a sneaking suspicion, he might exceed them, though, Nick. Yeah, I really think that's a possibility too, Jack, just because of all the hate towards him and all the back, back talk to him. And I think I, what I sent you a DM the other day, somebody screenshot Blake Griffin's likes and it was someone talking trash about him and that he can't really play in the league anymore. So he hears the talk, he knows what's out there. And like, you can't beat a player like that for the vet minimum. And I think there's still a little bit of hope too, with the health is just because he is, you know, 32 years old or about to be 32 in a couple of days. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being in your 30s, Nick, yeah. all right? Just because, you know, I'm, I've just turned 30 this year. I've still got about 10 more months, eight more months on, but before I'm 31. And, you know, I like I like these guys who are around my age. It makes me feel like, you know, oh, Blake, we're a bit more of a veteran team, so I can relate to them more than, you know, the. and I absolutely love the, the, the old 2018-19 Brooklyn Nets, but they were just so youthful and exuberant. Yep. All the dancing and stuff, it, it tired me out just watching them. Now I'm just like, all right, this team... We know what we're about, so I'm excited, Nick. Next question I wanted to get to um, was from... Oh, who's the next one going to be? Manolo, a uh, real uh, favorite listener of the show. Win or lose in the playoffs, what would be a good off-season pickup for the Nets this summer? One thing I will say, Nick, do you think the Nets... I've heard plenty of people say, or bring up this sentiment, that the Brooklyn Nets, the best version of them is going to happen next season. Do you agree with that, or do you think that it's a bit of a cop-out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a possibility. You can never forecast the future, but I could see why elements of the team would be better next year. You know, more chemistry, a real training camp, some more cohesion between the coaching staff and the players. And then obviously it's easier to acquire players, I think, in the offseason, obviously at free agency. And you have ring chasers. And I think the Nets didn't have James Harden last offseason. Not to say that players didn't want to come here, but there's a higher level of want to be here when you were putting out you know, arguably the best team in the league and you're the favorite to win it all, especially if the Nets were to win a championship or go to the finals, like players are going to want to come here. I haven't really taken a deep dive at the free agent list, but I'm sure there's some veteran minimum guys that could add to this team and just, you know, make it a little bit better, just a little bit of a floor raiser. But at the end of the day, like your three superstars are going to really determine your success. Yeah, look, and and some names I'll throw at you, Nick. Gorgie Jang, JJ Redick, Trevor Reza. 
you know, obviously Spencer Dimity will be a free agent. Whether he decides to uh, re-sign with the Nets will be uh, a wait-and-see sort of proposition. Um, we've got uh, PJ Tucker as well, Jermichael Green, Robert Lopez, Nemanja Bielitsa, Avery Bradley, uh, Chris Dunn, uh, Nerlens Noel, Ed Davis, former Brooklyn Net, great. Rashawn Holmes, Kevon Looney, Garrett Temple, former Brooklyn Net, great himself as well. JaVal McGee, Reggie Bullock. I think that the Nets are going to be the destination. You know, we thought that they could have been in this sort of offseason where the Nets got Jeff Green and we're like, ah, we want a Nicholas Batum, we want a Mo Harkless, we want all these sort of guys. I think the next offseason, especially if the Nets are in the finals or win a championship, there's going to be the ring chasers, Nick. And when you've got the opportunity to win a ring, that brings those vet minimum guys. That brings the Andre Iguodawas. That brings the the David West. That brings all these guys that are going to want to get that chip. And Brooklyn Nets could be that destination if they keep going uh, what we think that they could be. And uh, there's some guys that could certainly be out of. Wesley Matthews is another guy that you could certainly chuck in there. Patrick Patterson. You know, these aren't necessarily the flashiest names in the world. But uh, at the same time, uh, depth in the rotation is what is going to make this Brooklyn Nets team go from being great to being very, very goddamn great. Yep, 100%, Jack. And it's easier to identify weaknesses after you go through a postseason run. You know what I mean? Like, you might go into the playoffs thinking, like, oh, we're good here, we're good here. And then something's exploited, and that's where you need to kind of work on the offseason. Or it could just be players want to win, especially if they end up just being in a situation where they weren't successful. And we're seeing that with Blake Griffin. We kind of saw that with James Harden to an extent, too. Definitely. We'll uh, get another one, or another couple ones from, uh, from C's Daddy. Uh, he's got three questions he wants to address, Nick, and you can tackle them however you want. Are we still going after Drummond, or is JaVale actually a better fit? Number two, what are our options if we don't get either of them? Number three, uh, do we still uh, go after a, a defensive 4-5 now that Claxton is balling out, or do we go after someone else? Keep Robertson, keep Robertson, or go after JJ Redick? Um, which ones did you want to hit on first? Yeah, I mean, I'll hit on the Drummond and JaVel one, I guess, first. I think JaVel, to an extent, is a better fit because he's a role player and he understands what he needs to do, and he's kind of been in this role before. But obviously, Andre Drummond has substantially more upside just because he's a more talented player. It's more of a question, can he fit in that role? I think, you know, it, it could be a little bit less likely that they have Blake Griffin, but honestly, I'm not really sure. They could just look to add talent, whatever's available, and maybe make moves elsewhere on the roster, especially if maybe there's a trade that's a two-for-one. But I think McGee is probably the closer to a real fit. But based off the moves that the Nets have made over this year, I would say Drummond is probably a more likely move. You, I want JaVale, Nick, because that guy just wins championships every single bloody <laughs> year. It seems to me that JaVale McGee is on a championship winning team. Now, I think it's going to be, what does the organization in Cleveland and Detroit want right now? What what are their priorities? And uh, and obviously, oh, sorry, Detroit. Um, what, Cleveland, Cleveland and Cleveland. Cleveland and Cleveland. I, I was harking back to, obviously, Drummond's old days back in Detroit. Drummond is one of the best rebounders in the history of the game. Where do the Nets sometimes really lack a little bit? The boards, offensively yeah. and defensively. You replace DJ's minutes with an Andre Drummond. Does that give you an upgrade? Possibly. But DJ's also been switching out and playing some decent defense. But ultimately, like you mentioned, Nick, it's talent. And you just grab the guy that's got the talent. I think JaVale McGee is a steadier presence, which is maybe what the Nets could prioritize. But I think either of these guys, um, if I'm going to pick one, look, you you went with Drummond, I'll go with JaVale for the sake of it. But uh, I do honestly think that Drummond has more all-round talent and his rebounding is 
almost underrated now. He is an immense, immense rebounding force. And JaVale McGee, uh, he just makes winning plays and he knows how to adjust to his role. He's done that ever since his time in Golden State. Uh, he did it in, in Los Angeles as well. You know, there were times where he was out of the rotation. He didn't, you know, uh, have a sook about it. He didn't throw his toys out the pram or whatever. He knows what's going on there. I think Drummond would do the same thing. I'm actually, I think he has a, a really good chance to just acclimate and go, you know what? Yep. My, je- my best job here is to just rebound the hell out of the ball, block the hell out of the ball, play some elbow action, and, and see what happens there. Uh, other options, if we don't get either of them, uh, I-, I mentioned some names throughout the pod. You know, PJ Tucker, you know, obviously he's been linked to the Nets. The Athletic has, has reported. Um, there's some other guys. Uh, in the- Dwayne Dedman's still hanging out there. I'm a bit of a Dwayne Dedman stan ever since I've seen him uh, throughout the-, the call me symbol. And there's probably some other guys that I, I can't think of off the top of my head, but there's going to be options and the Nets are going to be one of the destinations uh, that players are going to want to go to. Yeah, I think trading for a five is a lot less likely now. I think it's more likely they would trade for a four, like you said, in a P.J. Tucker type. Unless maybe... it's like Stadius Young. Yeah, and to... even he's like kind of more of like typically a forward. He would play small ball five, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to trade for a center. I think it would be one of those, you know, forward guys. And I think still most likely is the buyout market. Like, I still think that's probably the best chance the Nets have at adding a quality player just given some of their trade restrictions. So it's kind of almost dependent on what happens with other teams and other trades and contract negotiations like that. So it's hard to really determine what they're going to do next. Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't know why I'm still set on the Thaddeus Young thing, Nick. Maybe it's just his ties to this Brooklyn Nets team in the past and, you know, my sort of fandom for this team. You know, he, he was just a, a, a really steady player. and Hard what worker. Did he, Really hard work, and I think he just fits just super-duper well um, uh, alongside the Brooklyn Nets. So we'll have to wait and see uh, how it all does turn out. But in terms of the defensive 4-5, now that Claxton is balling, you know, do we still go after someone? Yeah, you just keep adding to this rotation. Yeah. You still experiment. You uh, And I think, you know, Thad Young is, is a guy, and, and maybe even a JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond are, are all guys that are worth that taxpayer MLE or the disabled player MLE. They are still have something to give. We know that their health is okay. They are still you know, providing and producing for their respective teams. So, yeah, while Claxton's uh, revitalized form, he's had like 33 points in like 33 minutes, you know, four blocks and, and, and rebound like a madman as well. I just think that he and he can also learn from those guys as well. You you benefit from having these vets around you and from having that experience. He's alluded to it. The young alchemist is like, you know what? I'm going to go out here and ball right now. I might be a young guy. But ultimately, I want to play for this team and I want to contribute. And I don't want his minutes to, to get lessened, but it's going to be a process. He's going to have some poor games as well. We're going to have to expect that from a guy in his second season, his 20th game or whatever the heck it is. So while his form makes that weakness and make that gap less of a gap, makes it a, a little bit smaller, it still is something that you want to add to, Nick. Yeah, I think you can still, now you can ease Claxon maybe in a little bit more too. You know what I mean? If you're able to get another guy, you don't have to be dependent on him. At the end of the day, he's a sophomore player that's played 20 NBA games. You know, he's not as good as he's been. There's Like you said, there's going to be poor games. And also he's had issues staying on the court. So you can't necessarily depend on him to be healthy for the entire postseason. We hope he is because he has a ton of potential and possibly bring something different to this team. But if you're Sean Marks, you have to prepare for plan B, plan C, whatever it is the next step always has to be on your mind. So I think, like we said, I think the four is still a little bit more likely now because especially because Woj said, you know, small ball five, 
five and Reggie Perry is here. And I think they look at him as more of a five two. So they probably be leaning towards that defensive four. And like you mentioned, defending the likes of LeBron, excuse me, Kawhi and Paul George or whatever it might be. The four helps a little bit more in that aspect. But like you said, too, keep adding talent, make, you know, you're trying to create the best team possible. You want to win championships and it also gives you a better opportunity of maybe retaining these guys into next season. That's it. And uh, to finally touch on keeping Roberson, it seems to me that that is fait accompli that we'll probably won't see. Uh, maybe he's gone as Nick is making the old cut symbol towards his neck. I might get fined by the NBA for that. <laughs> maybe he gets another 10-day contract. Who knows? But JJ Redick, Nick, for me, whether it's this season or it's in the offseason, I think JJ Redick is going to be a future book on that in some way or another. Yeah, it seems really likely. I thought we kind of talked about it when we did the podcast with KD when it felt like he was kind of sucking up to him a little bit and also the entire Nets team. And it's just like he understands he wants to win a championship. I think he's been very clear about that, like publicly on his podcast, too. That's something he wants to do. That's a position he wants to be in. And like you said, ties to Brooklyn, understands the situation. And I mean, I think at a buyout opportunity seems pretty likely this year if he is bought out, especially if the Nets were, you know, looking to make maybe another move and that give them the option to maybe move on from Landry Shamit and add that secondary uh, sharpshooter, you know, that backup to Joe Harris and JJ Redick. You could look at that, or like you said, Jack, bring him in the offseason, see what else is in there. It never hurts to have another shooter. Seems like he's a really good locker room guy. A lot of players love him across the league. And I think JJ also understands is like, I'm not that same player. So if I don't play tonight, that's what it is. You know what I mean? He wants the yeah. championship. I mean, him and Zion have had some... Awesome. Some, oh, man. Can you imagine that with, like, Blake Griffin? It'd be the Oklahoma City Clippers. In the Union, The Oklahoma yeah. City Clipper Nets. Someone's going to do some sort of Photoshop Nets depiction or Don't forget or the Rockets there. in there, too, Jack. Oh, man. I mean, there's too many goddamn teams and amalgamations to think of. But, yeah, I, and he also is, you know, if you've seen and the behind-the-scenes stuff of JJ, his family resides in Brooklyn. He has those ties to the city. Um, and, you know, he is a big fan of, of his living situation there, his wife, his kids and everything so i think he as his career starts to wind down and he's got all his big contracts out whether it's a vet minimum in the off season just to be a bit closer to his family go home uh before going to to the games and, and to training and such rather than being on the road and in a completely different city and a completely different coast uh, i think we'll see jj uh, in the black and white soon enough because uh, it, it just seems like the, the the signs are pointing there and whether that's this season or next season we'll have to wait and see as you alluded to nick and one thing that does age gracefully is shooting. So, like, yep. just the fact that they could put out the the level of shooters in which they could put out over the course of a game is just kind of insane. Like, they could murder you from three alone. Like, they'll outscore your team with just their three-point makes. That's how good this team could be offensively. And, obviously, defensively, J.J. Redick is not very good. Never's really been very good. Undersized and just isn't that athletic. But still another possible element to add to this team as a bench player. And we're not talking about a starter or somebody you have to depend on. This is a guy that can just be in the rotation if needed. Yeah, there'll be plenty of other teams clearing for his services. Yep. If you're the Lakers, if you're the Bucks, if you're the Sixers, all of them will would kill to have JJ on their team or back on their team uh, in some cases too. Uh, a little bit of a quick hitter here, Nick. We have um, at Playboy Claxton, the Claxton himself. Why has at Playboy Claxton never been a guest on the show? Nick, you want to provide a little bit of uh, some news, uh, some breaking news on the buzz? Yeah, hopefully you've listened this far along. Uh, we are going to be doing a, a Brooklyn Buzz fan show. We've done one of these uh, twice in the past. So 
this upcoming week on Tuesday at 11.30 p.m. You could slide into DMs of Jack or I, and we can set something up where we can get you on the show, share some thoughts. We we're, we're want to get as many people as possible, but we understand given some of the, the time restrictions we have, it might be difficult. But again, Jack and I will be putting out a tweet this week, get some fans on the buzz, share their thoughts, share the excitement of the team we have, and adding another star in Blake Griffin and obviously the three superstars in Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. For those playing along at home, 11.30 Eastern time. For those yep. Aussie listeners, that's 3.30 p.m. Melbourne time. <laughs> and if we have any international listeners, you know, whether you're in in the Philippines, if you're in Hong Kong, if you're in Europe, if you're in the UK, you want to jump on the buzz, you know where to find us, at the Jane Pull that world clock. Yeah, um, look, uh, I've somehow been able to convert so many different times along the way. This podcast started when I was in London, and now it's in Australia. So uh, the Worldwide Brooklyn Buzz, the Worldwide Network with OTG. So yeah, at OTG underscore Nick, at the J-Man JVT, you want to jump on the buzz. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to get a bit of a party going on. You know, we can maybe bring out some tequila like Spencer did. <laughs> Spence, this is a call out to you as well, my friend. Um, we'll see you post it on Instagram. You know, you, you can slide into the DMs on Twitter as well. Back to the questions, Nick. Pete Toll. Fan of the show and, and great, great listener and really smart dude as well. Uh, has a question. If you're Steve Nash, what would your focus be on in the next few days in order to ready the team for the second half of the season? Do you see any big-time adjustments to the current scheme or just subtle tweaks? Yeah, I think Nash slightly touched on this in the post game after the Rockets game and saying that, like, hey, we need to make sure we are relaxing and resting but not to the highest extent. You know, we need to do it almost with limitations because it is a short turnaround. You don't want to get in bad shape or put your body in any type of risky situation. So I think just kind of being smart, you know, you want to rest, you want to relax, you want to let loose, but kind of do it with limitations in which they're not hurting you for the second half of the season because it is going to be such a grind. And to the second part of the question, you know, I think we'll see some minor tweaks, you know, probably to the scheme, to the rotation, but there's also the possibility of maybe them trying out some zone defense or some other defensive looks if they're able to, you know, limit some of the mistakes they're making. If they're able to kind of get to the highest level of switching in the off the defense in which they're playing, I think Steve Nash has kind of hinted at, hey, that's when we'll start to try out new stuff and hopefully they can do that. Yeah, I think the the focus on with these couple of days off is just a mental reset because yep. this is a this is a we always say it's a marathon, not a sprint, but this is like a sprint marathon. It's one of those sort of like ten yep. k's or, or, or something. It's not necessarily a long grind where you got some days off in between. Thankfully, the Nets uh, and their schedule they have one of the fewest games, if not the fewest games remaining, so they're going to be able to you know have some flexibility with their rotation, rest some guys here or there, make sure Kevin Durant is ready, and ultimately that is going to be the be all and end all nick make sure that we're physically mentally spiritually ready to attack the second half of the season with the gusto the purpose uh, and the aggression that is going to be needed to to develop us as a real championship contender and you know we've heard james harden be a little bit peeved and Kyrie Irving doesn't necessarily want to be in atlanta right now but they know that you know for the fans and stuff and, and everyone else at home it's going to be good for us but i also do think that a mental reset is you know i've said it many many a times that basketball is a, is as mental as it is a physical or sports so we've heard clack sort of say that he's looking forward to getting home we've heard other guys sort of say the same thing thank god joe harris is in the three-point contest so my dude can rest up and get his mind and body ready because uh, I mean, his body's always ready for me for the, just the rest of the season. Uh, for the rest of the season, and, and in terms of any sort of scheme or, or tweaks, I think as I alluded to with, with Blake Griffin, there could be some some more sets and some more plays rather than, and and I think that we could see that depending on uh, because the Nets will have maybe some more time to 
to practice together, and that's generally when we do see some changes with the knit, with the uh, with how the team is playing defensively. I think it is about solidifying the switching scheme, uh, really honing in on that. Uh, and and being able to be better at teams that know how to slip better. It's why the team, why the Nets go so poorly against the Atlanta Hawks because John Collins, as uh, Kevin Rand alluded to, is one of the best team, uh, best players in the league at it, and and makes the the Hawks one of the best teams in the league at it. And we could come up against them in a two seven series, a one eight series, or whatever. So it's about furthering your strengths and trying to solidify or at least hone in on some of your weaknesses and maybe not necessarily make them as glaring as they once were. Yeah, you know, clean up the mistakes. You know what I mean? Clean up some of the easy stuff that you can control. You know, the communication on the switches about the rotations and being on time and understanding where you need to be. Like you mentioned, Jack, I think also offensively, the biggest thing we're going to see in the second half of the season is hopefully minutes with, you know, Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant in different ways that these guys can utilize each other on the floor and what that means for the team. And obviously with the buyout market and possibly new names being in, developing chemistry and cohesion through different aspects of the squad. Yeah, we've seen seven games of our yeah. best player with the the scary hours uh, iteration. So the team is only going to get better. And uh, man, it's uh, I'm excited to see this latter half of the season, Nick. It's going to be a fun time as Brooklyn Nets fans. I will get to uh, our dude uh, Cheese Toast at CHZ Toast One. <laughs> what do you think Mike D'Antoni has brought to the team this year? Obviously, this is incredibly difficult for us to answer just because we're not in the locker room we're not you know at the zoom conferences we haven't been able to talk to mike d'antoni but just from the outside looking in what i could you know think of the situation i would think he's brought a lot to the team you know what i mean just being that guy that steve nash can lean on like hey this is a guy that i've trusted in the past he's coached me i know he's a great coach like i can go to him for advice but also i think another huge thing for d'antoni has been there in terms of like connecting people like we know his relationships with certain guys hey this can kind of be a connection between steve nash mike d'antoni and james harden you know what I mean? From an angle like that, or even Jeff Green. And we know the impact he had with Sean Marks in terms of getting the Nets to make the James Harden trade. And I think offensively, you can see his fingerprints on a lot of the sets they're running and the scheme they have, the spacing, just kind of the mindset. And then just, you know, him also being on the bench and complaining at the refs. I think out of anybody who's an assistant coach, I feel like I've seen D'Antoni bitch at the refs more than Steve Nash. So I think just yep. having that that savvy veteran coach who's had a lot, a lot of years of experience has been awesome for this team. And he's probably helped in a lot more ways than I discussed, but that's all I can really come with from the outside looking in. Yeah, he's obviously the offensive coordinator for this team. And right now, the Brooklyn Nets are one of the <laughs> historically... Historic greatest offensive teams ever a lot of that is talent but you have to do give the as i've said plenty of times about coaches you have to give the players the tools to succeed whether that's the knowledge of schemes whether that's just the, the right lineups and such and i think mike downing has had some form of of influence on the rotation and we've sort of seen steve nash at times sort of really limit to like a seven eight man rotation at times even in just like regular season games you know who that reminds me of it reminds me of mike dantoni who he did that quite regularly We've seen James Harden play 38, 41 minutes here and there in OT games, 50 minutes. You know where he did that? He did that in Houston under Mike D'Antoni. So I think that he uh, he is basically a, a mentoring voice for not just Steve Nash, but for the team as a whole. And his fingerprints are all over this team uh, inside and out. And 
we've got uh, my guy JBT Nick thinks that the, we've got the all-star dream team of, of coaches uh, on the bench and you know having Mike D'Antoni, Ime Yudoka, Jacques Vaughan uh, you've got Royal Ivy you've got Adam Harrington you've got all these guys um, it makes and, and we've sort of heard say you know Kevin Durant and, and James Harden sort of listen and talk about the coaches that this is the reason why they're so successful. It's a, it's a collective, uh, yeah. a collective effort in terms of trying to establish something great here, and he has certainly been a part of that. Uh, shout out to MDA. Yeah, he really has, Jack. And I just think, like you said, you know, the Nets literally have a coaching staff where three of these guys could be head coaches next year. Like Jacques Vaughn, Mike D'Antoni, and Ame Udoka could all be coaching head coaches of other teams next season. And maybe even an off chance Adam Harrington could get some interviews for next year. So the Nets coaching staff is really, really good. Obviously, Mike Tony, Mike D'Antoni is a big reason for that. Big, big, big time, Nick. Let's get to Will Jackson at WJax99. Has four questions. Keeping we'll us busy, Will. Uh, always we've had a we appreciate all the questions and whether it's one two three or four we'll tackle one at a time nick question one would you rather trade spence or extend him extend him i'm gonna i'm gonna stay loyal here i mean i think obviously he's in you have to mate he responded to otg in the hyperbaric chamber he's an otg lover and follower yeah i mean shout out to you spence appreciate the response but um you know i think a player of that level the nets are not gonna be able to you know, trade or sign anybody that good. So like extend him. And if they can't necessarily find the right role for him, they could always trade him down the line. You know what I mean? And then that's an opportunity to add maybe somebody who fits better to the team. But we're talking about a fringe all-star player. And obviously you can trade him. And if you know he's not coming back, then yeah, trade him. But if he wants to come back, I think extending him might make more sense. If it's a number that is doable for Josiah, because again, he is super rich, but the luxury tax for this team is going to be insane. It's it's already insane. And we have had, we, we talked about at the start of the season that there is a, a semblance of relief given the fact that of the, the lack of fans and just the, the nature of the the percentages of it. I mean, I'm not a, a cap guru. You know, there's much smarter people than me that know about that. But next season, do we see those restrictions, you know, uh, back put back yep. in place? Does the, do does that make the Nets, you know, a, a Golden State Warriors 2.0? Obviously, I think Joe Sy has a, a greater wealth than, than Joe Lacob. What is his desire to, to maintain this team? If the Nets win a chip this season, I could see it. Him being like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be printing money. And blo- despite the fact that, you know, the Nets might not have fans, you know, Mina Kimes jump on board is uh, certainly a, a big help for the team. But yeah, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for the sake of it, Nick, because I honestly do think that another team is going to have a greater desire to mm. want Spencer Dimwood here on their team. Because yeah. I think at a, in saying that, what he gave to us at the start of the season and what he could give to this team, imagining him as a secondary ball handler, a guy attacking off closeouts, a, a guy with some guard-guard screen and roll with James Harden and just running the second unit as well. And man, it would just he's a, an all-star caliber player at his best. And I don't have many concerns about him coming back to a semblance near that or even better. You know, what we've seen from Zach Levine, he's taken his game to another level off the back of an injury that is essentially the same, if not worse than what... Spencer is going through. But I think there are going to be teams, Chicago, Detroit, Dallas, that have a greater need for a Spencer Dimity on their team and will have a greater role for him. And I think that will allow him to flourish individually in a sense that he might not be able to in Brooklyn. 
he is a big reason why we have Kyrie Irving on this team in saying that he's been such a big part of this franchise in turning into what it is today. You know, the GM Spencer Dinwiddie, the, the player that he is and what he has given this team uh, in so many different ways. I honestly do think that it could be better for him and his career, whether it's monetarily wise or whether it's opportunity wise, to be on a different team. Not to say I don't want him, but I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Don't at me. You know, if you want to, at the Jam and JBT. Yeah, I think if he wants to be here, I would look to extend him. But if he doesn't want to be here and he wants the opportunities, then trade him. And also, I guess another element you could look at, too, is like, let's say the Lakers or the Sixers or somebody makes a move and you're like, shit, we maybe we're not the favorites and we need to add a little bit more to this team. And Spencer's one of your only tradable contracts and you feel you need to add to the rotation. Then maybe that's a reason to pull the trigger. But at the end of the day, I think it kind of comes down more to what Spencer wants. And just based off of who he is and what we know about him, it seems like he probably we want to go to that bigger opportunity so the Nets might not even have an opportunity to extend him and that's why trading might make more sense yep question two Nick fully healthy do you start Bruce or Joe the center guard or the love of my life so for me it really depends on who you're starting at center if you're starting Jeff Green then I I'm cool with Bruce Brown because I think it doesn't impact the spacing as much but if you starting DeAndre Jordan I know they've had some success in the past with starting Bruce Brown and DJ but I think if you're starting DJ you want to go with Joe Harris there because that really stretches the floor to the highest extent because now you have the vertical spacer and you have you know the best three-point shooter in the league this season definitely um I we've seen Joe come off the bench already for the Brooklyn Nets this year um, and he's, he has had no qualms with that. He said that himself. Bruce Brown obviously uh, has come off the bench and has recently solidified himself as an incredibly important part of this rotation. I think it's more about aligning both of their minutes with James Harden as much as possible because the, both of their chemistry with, with Harden is just incredible. And if that means aligning James Harden's minutes more with the, the second unit and resting Kyrie and, and, and having him play more with the starters... That's what I think is the most important thing. Bruce or Joe will be fine. Uh, ultimately, like you alluded to, I think it's more likely to be Harris just for the balance uh, and such. You know, you've got enough offensive weapons and what Bruce can do in between uh, gives you so, so much as a sort of rover center guard, as I've alluded to. But I think the more important thing is that James Harden aligns his minutes with both of these guys as much as possible. Yeah, I think even more so at Bruce Brown because I think he utilizes him more than anybody else in the team where I think Joe's had success with Kyrie. It's obviously been more with James Harden and we've seen Joe have success even with Kevin Durant. Seems like that was kind of some chemistry that was developing out there too. And even Joe Harris has a nice relationship with DeAndre Jordan on the floor. You know, we've seen them kind of almost create instant offense with the dribble handoffs and things like that. So it's a, it's a good problem to have. And look as well, the... The big takeaway that I took from that Jared Dubin piece is that off in the pick and roll, off direct screens, no tandem has scored more points than Bruce Brown and James Harden. That is insane. Yeah, it is. And I think there was another stat that the Nets use guards to screen more than any other team in the NBA too in there, yeah. which is really intriguing. And it just kind of goes to show you the adaptability of James Harden and how he can get the best out of so many different players. He's a superstar, MVP-level player. Get that man his comeuppance. Get him uh, his plaudits that he deserves. Question three, Nick. Rank your confidence level for each of the big three signing extensions. Yeah, this is something I always see Will talking about. So, Will, you just got to chill and enjoy the moment a little bit. <laughs> Not worry about these extensions. Um, but... For me, it really is kind of almost correlated to the success. You know what I mean? If the Nets are winning championships, like 
I don't see any reason they won't sign their extensions together. I think if they were not to have success and not win championships, you know, you could see different guys wanting to go to other places. But honestly, they all want to be here. And they'd all look kind of dumb if they were here for like two seasons and then left. It's like, okay, you made this whole fuss. So I feel pretty confident with all of them right now unless something really bad were to happen or some injuries were to be suffered or maybe one guy feels like he's becoming the third fiddle. That would possibly be Kyrie Irving, but Kyrie's also the New Jersey Nets fan. You know what I mean? Of the bunch. So it's like, it's really hard to gauge. I feel pretty confident with them all. I guess Kevin Durant's a little bit more unknown, so maybe he'd be a guy that just would eventually want to do his own thing. But like, it seems like they're pretty happy in Brooklyn right now. Maybe ask me again at the end of the season, Will. Yeah, I mean, look, it's... We're halfway through the iteration of this team. We're like 25 games with James yeah. Harden. But, you know, looking forward, I think James Harden turned down a $100 million two-year extension or something in the late 90s from the Houston Rockets. You know, I think to he wants to be in Brooklyn. You know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both took uh, a little bit of a discount to play alongside DJ. So they've both already sacrificed. And, you know, I think that you, you give these guys extensions no matter what. It's it's goddamn no-brainer. The, the one thing is, like, do you look to previous iterations of their comments? And Kevin Durant, I'm going to retire when I'm 35. You know, he's in his mid to late 30s and he's getting up there. And are you, but I also do think that, as we've heard Woj say, and uh, I think that the moves that have been made this season, the team is acclimating themselves to prioritizing what Kevin Durant's wants and needs are. That is the yep. important thing. And all the moves that have been made have been to sort of appease him, the James Harden trade, you know, getting Jeff Green, all these other sort of guys. And Kyrie Irving, I think he just is, is loves the, the game itself more than any other. But I also could see him being like, KD retires, I'll retire with you, man. I, I, got, I got all my money in the world. I want to impact the world in, in a bigger sort of spot. So... And nothing would surprise me with these three. And ultimately, it's up to them. And I'm not going to, you know, besmirch them in any sort of way or another because I'm just enjoying the ride, uh, the, this scary hours ride as it is. You know, I'm not thinking about, as Drake would say on scary hours too, what's next? Yeah, exactly, Jack. And I think, again, a lot of it correlates to success and what these guys want to do. But based off of what they've said, it seems like they want to be here and they'll be here for a couple seasons. It's hard to determine because we see players change their mind all the time, but things are in the positive direction here. For sure. Final one, is Joe Harris the best role player in the NBA? Uh, yes, you take out role, uh, and then you got it right as well there as well, Will. No, I think, honestly, though, I think Joe Harris has been the best role player in the NBA this season. Now, is he the best role player every single year? Probably not. Is he the most yes. talented, talented role player? Probably not. But this season, he's been the best. You know, his skill set has been maximized by playing with Kyrie Irving, playing with Kevin Durant, and especially James Harden. And also the coaching staff of Steve Nash, D'Antoni, Jacques Vaughn, and Ame Udoka taking advantage of his skill set. So I think this season, out of any role player in the league, he's probably, you know, having a large impact. Because like we talked about, like dealing with an offense of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden is incredibly difficult. But the gravy on top is Joe Harris because, hey— where we can't double off this guy. How many times do you see Kyrie or James Harden or Kevin Durant driving to the rim and the strong side help is just sitting there because they can't do anything because Joe's a 50% from three. He is having an historic season, the likes that has never been had since Wilt freaking Chamberlain in his effective field goal and true shooting. It's, he could set it's the record. Insane. He could set the record for effective field goal percentage this season. It's insane, Nick. 50%. So it's just like every second shot, it's going in for Joe Harris. His field goal percentage as well. 
He and and like I said, in terms of role player, he's not just the best three point shooter in the league this season. He is also a very good defender and has improved in that end with his intangible skills that, again, John has alluded to in a piece of OTGBasketball.com. He's a really good rebounder. Uh, He just does all the right things. He's improved his mid-range shooting. We know, you know, in seasons past that he's, you know, been one of the league leaders in driving percentage as well. And he's maintained that uh, additionally too. So best role player in the league, uh, in the NBA. Uh, There aren't many other names I can sort of think of off the top of my head, Nick, that sort of come to mind. I mean, Seth Curry has been really good for the Sixers. Um, I can't necessarily think of any, like KCP hasn't been as great with Los Angeles. Uh, I, I honestly, there is no other name that comes to mind than Joe Harris when being asked this question. Yeah, as of right now in this season, I think, like I said, I think he's been the best role player. There's other guys who have been really good and have stepped up. And it also depends on what you consider role players. You know, anybody who's not a star role player, then obviously the situation gets a little trickier. But just like based off his skill set and him not being like the focal aspect of an offense I think kind of just being that add-on I think Joe's been better than anybody and there's not a team in the league that you could put Joe on where he wouldn't help boost that team oh gotta love uh, James Harden shooting threes and Kyrie getting on his feet and celebrating for his guy Um, (laughs) every single just obviously I'm watching the all-star game on the background as Nick and I recording this I just love whenever those dudes just like happy and celebrating and hugging it just gives it makes me feel loved as well Nick I just love it man it's all positive vibes, Jack. That's what we need out here. Spread love. It's the Brooklyn way. Uh, in a not-so-loving manner, Joshua, of formal uh, OTG basketball oh. fame, has asked, how can the Nicholas DeVere Claxton be acquired in a trade for the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, blocked, muted, and all of the above, Joshua. As I responded uh, with a gif, you know, we're calling the FBI. Like, <laughs> we, we don't want this. <laughs> Uh, we certainly do not. And we are not going to be discussing that any further. But we might be, Nick, in relation to this question from Fred, at underscore Fred83. Most surprising player so far. Could it you be know, Claxton? It, I think he's in contention. I think Jeff Breen's in contention. But I think you have to go with Bruce Brown. As good as we thought Bruce Brown would be and what he could provide, I think his role is even adapted more. You know what I mean? He's literally, like you said, you know, a guard center. Like he's out there doing things that, you know, center guard, guard, center guard, center whatever. Yeah, come on, man. We've got to get it right. If we want to, you know, patent in one of these nicknames, we've got to get it right or else Zach Lowe or some other dude of analytics fame is going to beat me to it. You know, some nights he's a guard center. Some nights he's a center guard, Jack. You know, it just yeah, kind yeah. of flips with his role. But, um, yep. you know, like I said, I think I expected him to have a role in this team and provide different minutes. I expected to be more in that guard situation. And even if we had a play up, it would be more of like a small fold. Forward, but we've seen him at the four, we've seen him at the five, we've seen the short roll in the passing. We've seen him in a different element than what I expected. Like, and I'm not surprised at the level of which player he, at, like, of what kind of player he is, but more so in what he's asked to do and the way he's excelled at it. Yeah, the what he has given this team, you know, we're talking about best role players in the league. Man, you can make Joe a squad competition in his own squad. <laughs> yeah, you can make a very, very good. Like, the dude, as he said himself, he saw 29, I got 29. Like, that was, again, just so many wholesome moments from this team. I love the Brooklyn Nets, Nick. They're just so goddamn great, and they provide me with so much happiness. What he has done this season, he is doing things that I didn't see possible. If you had told me heading into the season that the best pick-and-roll duo in the league would be James Harden and Bruce Brown, you would have been like, wait, what? We got James Harden and wait, Bruce Brown is? The way like the sample size is what, five? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's truly crazy stuff. 
His rebounding has been incredible. His tenacity, his toughness, his three ball, his confidence, his swagger, his dancing, everything he's done for this team, he's given us everything and more. And it might be the most lopsided trade in NBA history in terms of what the Nets got uh, had to give back in return to the Detroit Pistons. Bruce Brown is giving everything to this team. And, you know, I just remember the iterations where, you know, he was speaking post-game to... Uh, the guys on Zoom, Matt Brooks and Alex Schiffer and all the people in that's meeting, he was just so thankful and, and, and so, you know, really, it was just totally there and, and just was just like, man, you guys want to talk to me? It's cool, man. Th thanks for all this. And look, uh, he's just, he's got an infectious personality. Uh, the, the standard is real. Uh, I, I, I will make an announcement. There is a Bruce Brown OnlyFans page. It is going to be in alignment with the Joe Harris. We have a nice subscription package if you want to subscribe to that. Hit me up in the DMs at the J-Man JBT. But in all seriousness, uh, my love for Bruce Brown knows no bounds. He has done so much for this team, and it's exceeded my expectations to such a high amount. Yeah, and I think Nick Claxton would be have a better opportunity to win here if he played more games. You know, we've really only seen him for about like five games this season. So it's hard to say he's the biggest surprise if he doesn't, you know, keep this level of play up through the second half of the year. And obviously Jeff Green has been really, really good. But this was kind of what we saw towards the end in Houston. Probably a little bit more efficient, but it's not like the craziest thing that I've ever seen. I've been surprised by his consistency, Nick. He's just, yeah, yeah. That's been the biggest problem in his career, to be honest. It has, and look, and he is playing the most consistent basketball of his career as an age 34 player, and he is doing it in an incredibly important role for this team. Like I've said time and time again, Uncle Jeff is so important to what the Nets do offensively and defensively. He unlocks so much. He is he is the key to what the Brooklyn Nets do in, in a lot of different respects. Maybe that's another new nickname. We call Jeff the Key Green. Um, it doesn't have the nice ring to it as Senegal <laughs> does. But yeah, I'll also throw maybe a, a little bit of a mini shout out to one of our superstars in in Kevin Durant and James Harden. You know, I'm certainly surprised that Kevin Durant has been as good, if not better, than what he was. Yeah. Um, often Achilles injury. It's almost easy to forget since we haven't seen him play in so long. Like, you I know, know. It's, it, we, um, we kept saying it. He's coming off an Achilles injury. It's becoming the Jason Tatum version of his only 19. He's yeah. coming off an Achilles injury. Um, it, it's truly goddamn insane. And what James Harden is doing for the Brooklyn Nets right now, I think it's not necessarily surprising, but it's surprising to some people because it's just like, oh yeah, James Harden's a really good passer as well. Oh yeah, he doesn't have to do all these little different antics, be the sort of heliocentric version that he was in Houston under Mike D'Antoni and, and with Russell Westbrook there. Um, he's been incredible um, and turned himself into uh, an MVP contender in such a short span of time. A lot of surprises, Nick, um, and a lot of them really, really goddamn good ones. Yeah, and I'll say another thing about Harden is the fact I'm surprised he adapted so fast because, honestly, that was my biggest concern before they even made the trade in terms of, like, making it during the season. Like, how are you going to get a piece like James Harden to fit in mid-year with limited practices and I think it's gone better than anybody expected because, like you said, Harden's in the MVP race. He's running this offense. He's understanding his teammates and really making everyone better. As James Harden would say, it's great. <laughs> Move on to the final question, Nick. Or the final questions from Zuby at Joey Buckets 101 What seed do you see the Nets ending up with? Do you think they win it all based on the first half of this season? The big questions to end the pod. Yeah, I think it's a one or two seed. I think I'm probably leaning maybe a little bit more towards a one seed now with, you know, Blake Griffin, the possible other buyouts, just having more depth to win games when guys are out. And in terms of based off of what I saw in the first half of the season, do I think they'll win a championship? Yes. 
I, I went with that pick at the beginning of the season that the Nets were my favorite to win it all. And I'm going to go with that. I'm going to double down here. And obviously, James Harden has been great. And I think this is a historical team. And possibly in a couple years or later down the line, we'll look back and be like, why was anybody questioning if this team could win a championship because of the amount of talent they have here and the way they're utilizing this talent? I think the only thing, my biggest concern with this team winning a championship is health. To play Debbie down, uh, what CDC the Nets ending up with, I think it's anywhere from one to three. They're only half a game behind the Sixers right now. And basically, I think that if they remain the one seed, it's because Joel Embiid has played the large portion of the, the latter season games. And for the Nets, if it's if it's if James Harden has. And I, I trust more in James Harden's health. So I think that they have a really good shot. I think it's more likely that they end up with one than three. But I also do think that the Milwaukee Bucks will pick things up. But they've also said that they're using this regular season as a sort of an experimentation point, whereas the Nets are kind of trying to solidify and, and set in stone some things that they, they need to because it's just all new. It's all these new shiny things, whereas the Bucks have a, all their shiny things already in place and they want to try and add some less shiny things and try and see what they can do uh, on the outskirts. So I would say one to three, um, leaning maybe more, to, to, more towards a one. And to be the pessimist, Nick, I just, it always takes one season to get things going. It's its really rare that you get, and, and I'm just speaking historically, and I'm always I, I'm always more of the Debbie Down. I, I, never, I didn't predict the Kevin Durant signing, Kyrie Irving, all those sort of things. You're on the money there. I like to be pessimistic because my general out philosophy on life is have low expectations and have high results. And we don't want to hear that, this nonsense, Jack. Get off here. Get off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, in, in all seriousness, but I also do think that if any team is going to break that mold, what the Miami Heat obviously lost to the Dallas Mavericks, you know, the Golden State Warriors uh, had to you know go through some some losses here and there too. But I think it could be the Brooklyn Nets because their talent is so immense and it is so great that it's just like James Harden. I mean, like I said that this could be the best big three all time. Uh, Talent-wise, they certainly are in a lot of respects. We've barely seen them out there. And when they are out there together, the numbers are just otherworldly. So while my confidence isn't 100% there, man, it's it's getting more confident by the day. And uh, I think that as we see the season go on, I'm, I'm going to be looking at these games against the Lakers again, these games against the Clippers, the Sixers, the Bucks, Jazz, the Suns, seeing what this team can continue to do and maintain their consistency in winning form, in elite winning form. And then come game 72, maybe my tack does change, Nick, but we're only 35 games into this Brooklyn Nets scary hours experience. And while I'm scared, uh, I'm, I think I'm only going to get more scared as the season does go on, but in a good way. Yeah, I think the one thing that gives me a little bit more confidence in some of those other teams is that their best player on this team has won a championship. He's won two championships in a similar type of situation with the amount of talent they have. Kyrie's also won a championship. James Harden obviously hasn't, but he's made these deep runs. So I think there's some other aspects of this team that could help. And also just like other teams dealing with issues. Like, I don't think that's you know, a crazy take to have because, like, we don't know what's going on with their biggest threat in the Lakers. You know, what's going on with Anthony Davis? Where is he going to be? And let's just say, hypothetically, AD and KD are both 85% when it comes to the finals or 90%. Well, the Nets have two other superstars. Yes, they have LeBron James on LA side, but I think it's a little bit easier for the Nets to deal with some of the issues they might have on a postseason run, just given the insane roster in which they have. Talent, 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 Nick. It always helps. Yeah, coaching staff and roster. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. 
All right, Jack, that wraps it up. And like we mentioned before, be sure to keep your eyes on Twitter. We're going to be setting that fan show up for Tuesday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. Try to get as many people on as possible. And again, appreciate all the mailbag questions. Hopefully we can hit another one of these before the postseason starts. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch us on all stream platforms. That's world. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.